0: Okay,
1: let's begin then. Before we commence, let us take a moment to pay homage to the most virtuous one, the infinitely compassionate one, the supremely enlightened one, the most magnificent one, the undefeated and unvanquished one the Supreme Buddha. <tries> <tries> Namo
0: Thasya Bhagaveto Arehato Sama Sambuddhasya Namo Thasya Bhagaveto Arehato Samma Sambuddhasya Namo Thasya Bhagaveto arehato. I have
1: been intending to do something for quite a while now, and uh, I think the time is ripe for that. Isn't it? Yeah? You agree? What? What is it? <laughs> what are you agreeing to? <laughs> huh? whatever. whatever. Whatever Swami Nuhan says, yes. Good, good. I've always felt like uh, these English sermons I like serving you a bit of pudding when you come to the monastery but we give you rice and curry in Singhala. So this is a bit of pudding at the end of that (laughs) and I think it's time to change. So with uh, Guru Tero's permission and his guidance and advice, we have decided to change the format of that. So from next week, this program will run in parallel to the single program in the Dhamma Hall. those who wish to attend the English sermons. And when I mean those who wish to attend, I mean in particular those who understand the Dhamma better if and when taught or explained in English, they have the choice to arrive at 7 a.m where we start the program in the library. So we'll precept you in English and the program will continue in parallel to the Sinhala program that happens in the Dhamma hall. So clearly uh, you must know then that I have found a way to be present in two places at once. <laughs> the Dhamma can do miracles. So to enable me to do that, my fellow monks will help me to be present here, so that one of my other monks will be doing the morning program in Singhala in the Dhamma Hall. So we have a few activities planned and of course it will all depend on how much you can accommodate this change. Now, I understand that there are some of you who I think arrive at the monastery in the afternoon to join this session but I think the vast majority of you arrive in the morning. So you'll always have the choice if one week you wish to be here and the other week you wish to be there that is completely up to you. Now, the reason I want to do this is because, for one, I feel that I'm doing a disservice, particularly to our listeners online. You see, when I do the morning session in Singhala, and I see the same faces, and for, the sing- for the English sermon in the afternoon, you can imagine the position that I find myself in. I have spoken to you on the Dhamma and now I have to pretend that you've not heard me in the morning. I find myself in a conundrum. I have to either imagine that you've not heard a word I said in the morning or I have to continue from the point I stopped. Now imagine what that does to people who listen to the sermons online. Like last week, for instance. You started talking about the karmic strands. Right? That is like teaching prehistoric man how to get on a rocket and travel to the moon. <laughs> Obviously, they'll understand this. But only if we explain the background, the fundamental concepts and gradually build their knowledge and understanding of the Dhamma. So to be throwing bits of Dhamma here and there and sprinkling complicated or what might seem like complicated bits of Dhamma into a sermon that is only one hour seems incredibly unfair on their part. And if I remember right, it was only you who reminded me, yeah, on one occasion, or actually on several occasions, but on one occasion I remember. You even wrote it down and gave it to me and said, Swami there that a lot of people online who listen to these talks, it is they who make it possible for us to be here today At least partly. There are lots of our listeners in Australia, in other parts of the world as well. And I'm informed that there is a growing population of non-Sinhala-speaking individuals for whom English is their mother tongue. They don't know a word of Sinhala who listen to these talks and They really look forward to it, once a week, without mistake, they listen to them because they're beginning to understand the truth. You have the honor and privilege and the luxury of being able to understand Singhala. You are blessed in that way. So therefore, you have the privilege of having Guru Swami Nuhansi explain deep and profound concepts of the Dhamma in very simple terms, in simple language, and he takes his time with that, so that you really walk away having understood what he has to say. But we must appreciate that there are those who deserve this Dhamma just as much as all of us, And to them, right now, this is the only source of Dhamma that they have. So therefore, an hour does not allow me to do them service or do them justice. So at least, if I had the best part of two hours or something like that, or maybe two and a half hours, I can slowly help them understand the things that you have understood over time. So, my intended audience without any offense to all of you is not really you. Because you are the privileged ones. I'm reminded of the great elder the Yarahant. Whenever they were invited to alms, he would always go to the less fortunate ones, to the less privileged ones. It was his habit to go on alms rather than to accept an invitation from a householder or a wealthy businessman. So he had, spe- he had taken special permission from the Buddha to always go on alms and he was very popular among the poor among the less fortunate because he realized that it is not every day they get the opportunity to earn merits by offering him some alms. So they are our forefathers and it is they that we look up to and it is they from whom we need to take lessons. Now I know you will have no issue with that, because you are all, as I said early this morning, a very thoughtful and very kind group of people. I'm very fond of our English listeners, I, I must add that. Right from when we started, you've had a certain something about you, and I've mentioned this in the past. I think it's I think it's unity that I have seen among you which is something I really cherish. The way you all come together, the way you all get together and do things, the way you all look after each other. And you remember the story from this morning, how we have been fortunate enough to receive a daughter to the Sasana because of how you treated her when she first met you all. I, I see that among you and I I really respect that. So I think you will not take issue to the fact that I need now to look far beyond you. There are eight billion people in this world. Fortunately, we speak a tongue that most of them do. Not all of them, but most of them. So we need to take this Dhamma to a global population of people to the world out there. Again, I remind you, I don't fear for you because you have every protection you need at the monastery. Right from Guru Swami Nuhansi to every other monk, they're here to look after you. But there are those out there for whom they don't have any refuge just yet. So I feel, as I've been explaining to you, always trying to find my purpose. I feel it is now time that we stepped up the game. Because time is very short. And if I don't start now, I won't be able to make any change in this world. I won't be able to touch enough people's lives. It's not for very long I'll be able to do what I'm doing. And I'm do- I don't claim that I'm the only one who's doing it. There are those who are joining our ranks. And we are upskilling people and helping them become equally competent soldiers of this army with your help and support. So I need them to join me. So it's time to spread the Dhamma far and afield. And I need to organize ourselves so that we are able to do that. And also, from time to time, you will have friends and visitors and perhaps even your children who will come from other countries who may may have gone there for long periods of time. Perhaps there are those who struggle to understand Sinhala. We as a country that attracts a lot of tourists. Will from, you know, throughout the year, we receive quite a few people from other countries. And I think, unless they have listened to the Dhamma, they haven't really taken everything they can from Sri Lanka. Because this is the most precious thing that we have to offer people. But I doubt that any tour guide, in his sane mind, is going to arrange a transport. Or book a taxi or whatever to bring someone here for an hour all the way from Colombo to the suburbs of Ingeria. So at least to appeal to them we need to have a program which is both long enough and has something to offer them when they come here. So the final details of the program are being discussed at the moment but my intention is to start the program at 7. So you'll all come here and we will precept you. And then you will have this sermon first thing in the morning. We will then stop for lunch. You'll all be able to go and join the uh, almsgiving there as well as offer the Pinta Dana to the Swami Nuhanses. So all of that. You get the best of both worlds, really. Right? So you get that as well. And then after that, you will all come back in here. And which is, uh, you know, what how do they call it? The graveyard shift, right? <laughs> <laughs> so for the graveyard shift... I initially thought we were going to do some meditation, but then I realized you don't need my help to do meditation at that time. Hmm? You can do that on your own, just fine. Right? So instead, this is still a pl- this is still a, a plan a working in progress, right So things might change for next week. I would like to make available an opportunity for you to have small group discussions. So how that will work is we'll have to use this room, because this is all we have for the time being. And I intend of splitting you up into groups. I'm not going to be doing the splitting. You can do as you wish. We will use the four corners of this room or as there is space in here, and I will make available a few Swami Nuansees who will speak to you in small groups. You can ask them questions that you may have, particularly in the Dhamma and the topics that we have covered thus far. I will also inv- in I will also instruct them. To be careful not to go beyond what we have discussed as yet, that they'll be intentionally doing that, not because they don't want to teach you and share with you the Dhamma, but because we need to do this carefully, gradually, one step at a time. So you'll get that opportunity as well. This is something I have planned for now, Guru has agreed in principle, but he wants more details as to how it's going to happen. And I think that will help us do, achieve, achieve two things. One, you will get the opportunity to ask your questions. It is you know, difficult to do that in this kind of setting. So in small groups, you have a better chance of doing that. And secondly, our Swami Nuhansays will be able to get a good deal of practice speaking to you. So please don't engage with them in singhala chats. That is not the intention of them. Okay? So I need you to have those conversations in English. Because I don't intend that they'll always remain here, as in, in Sri Lanka forever. Because we can't spread the Dhamma to the entire world by staying here all day, every day. So when the time is right, They'll have to travel and you can help them. Now, I realize myself, like when we preach certain concepts in the Dhamma, there are times when I have to find the right words to express this, these ideas, these concepts, so that the right message, the right idea is conveyed to you. And sometimes only when we get to that junction do we have to find the word. So, you know, you don't do it in advance. So the best way to practice is by doing it. So in some sense, I'm using you as guinea pigs. But I don't think you'll mind that. Because you get a good great deal out of it by being able to ask your questions and getting answers that you are until you are satisfied you can keep asking so in the time that we have so after we have done that I am also going to try and find some time for us to do some meditation before we stop and you can go and join Guru Hanuman's sermon at 2 o'clock so this is the that I have in my mind for the time being they haven't heard it from me before as well so you're all hearing from me for the first time Dasanandr doesn't know about this either well he does now okay I think it's high time we started serving rice and curry in English And therefore, you will be able to bring your friends. Maybe someone visits you for a week, two weeks, maybe they're staying here for a month. Unashamedly, you can bring them here because we will have a decent program to offer them when they come. Rather than saying, please, can you, you know, let's go, but we'll only be able to talk to you for an hour. You know, that's hardly enough time to actually do anything at all, right? So when we have a program like that, I think we can do much more for all our listeners. See, I told you, you have lots to do to help me in making this possible. And last week I beat the drums calling you to join this war. And this week I'm already giving you tasks to do. Because I believe that you have accepted the challenge. Right? So I, I want sometime next year at least by sometime next year to have a Swami Nuhansi at the monastery from another country. Maybe a Sudha Swami Nhanse. Right? I want an Englishman An Australian, an American, a Spaniard, whoever. You need to help me with that. So if we create the environment, then the right Vipaka will start to draw. So please spread the message. Let people know that this is no longer a one-hour program, but we have a program dedicated for our English listeners, right from 7 o'clock in the morning, all the way to two o'clock in the afternoon, and you get a free lunch out of it as well. <coughs> we will also be doing the Buddha Puja in English. How about that? So we'll do it here. I have already discussed that with the uh, with our Swami Nihansis so who we'll look after the Buddha Puja, and so we'll do, we'll be doing it here. You are welcome to. don't bring any food because if you all bring food then we'll have another problem there what to do with all that but you can bring some flowers you can bring some incense sticks or some oil for the oil lamp and so on I'll let you arrange and organize that among yourselves however you want to do that so you have the freedom to do that but please don't bring any Buddha puja per se because that we will get from our kitchen at the monastery. But we will do the Buddha Puja here. In fact, we've been doing the Buddha Puja in English for the past few Thursdays at the monastery. So we've been preparing for this. You didn't know that because you don't come here on Thursdays. We've been doing that, I think, for the last few months now. Every Thursday we do it in English, at least because we now have an Anagarika mahant who does not understand Singhala, don't we? Right? So we want him to feel include, included. And he, we want him to understand what it is we are doing with the buddha Puja. And it's good practice as well for all of us because as I say, one day you know we are going to go to America, go to the UK, go to Canada, go to Australia, travel the world to spread the Dhamma. One day, you know, it's not tomorrow. One day it will happen. And when that day comes... We want to have every tool in our armory to be able to help every man, woman, and child that we can. Alongside that, we are learning other languages. So we're learning Tamil. There's a class for that at the monastery. We learn Korean. There's a class for that at the monastery. Hindi. Guru Hamadhu teaches us Hindi. We have several English classes. And very soon we are also going to start a language school here. Why? Because we understand that to give the Dhamma to people, we need to learn to speak the language that they do. If we wait until they all learn Sinhala, we won't be able to do it in the Gautama Buddha Sasana. And we ain't going to hang around till the next one. So we have to learn their language. So we want to learn Spanish. We want to learn Italian. We want to learn French and German. And our young, to be Anagarika Mahathias, you all. hmm? Your fate is sealed now because you broke the... (laughs) Please continue to do that, Putha. Okay, do the best you can. And the same goes. Like, and if there are any doers here who wish to become anagarikas in the future, parents teach your children a language, a foreign language. That will be a qualification for them to join. That will stand them in good stead when time comes for them to join. Our Anagarika program, right? Teach them a language. Whichever language they fancy. <coughs> Excuse me. A foreign language. So I named a few, one of them, or any language for that matter. Because you know, when they grow up, they come to my age, or at least, you know, after their twenties, twenty five, that sort of age, when they when they're able to manage and handle themselves, you know, equipped with a good language skills. They become a weapon, don't they? They become a weapon. And we like good weapons. So, this is something that you parents can do to help us with this war. Teach your children a language. I should have mentioned that in the Singhala sermon, but the thought only just dropped right now. But, you know, I, I think most people who learn a second language. You know, English, you are generally inclined to learn uh, another language. So, please do so. That is something you can do on behalf of the Sambuddhasasana. Hmm? Do yourselves. You can learn another language. If you are not doing it already, start now. That you are not doing to be able to get a better job. That you are doing to serve the sasana. If there are adults among you, who are fluent in another language in due course I will give you the opportunity to come and join with us and start helping us, our Anagarika Mahathya our Swami says learn the language that you can teach us so that we can learn from you and we can then start to spread the Dhamma see, I told you, lots for you to do it's not about Rupees and dollars and pounds. It's not about that. This doesn't cost you anything. This just requires you to have the will to do something to change people and help them. So these are some plans for the future. I told you last week, I only shared with you the tip of the iceberg, right? This is just another piece, just a small piece. Lots more things we need to do, lots more things we have planned and I will share all of those details with you as we go into the future. Okay? Alright, so from next week we will start the program at 7 o'clock in the morning. You can arrive in the in the library by 7. We will have one Swami Nansen who will precept you. and So the precepts also we will give you in, in Pali and also the English meaning of that. So that even if a foreigner, a foreign gentleman or a lady comes here, they'll understand what they're saying. So we want to make them feel welcome here. So they understand everything we are doing here. Right? And we will then start the sermon. We will stop for Buddha Buddha puja which also will, I will try my best to make sure that we have the English translations of that in addition to the Pali stanzas so you know exactly what you mean when you say otherwise you know they are just words you may understand them but others will not so they need to know what they are saying Buddhism is a very practical application and then after that we will stop for lunch you will be able to go and join there with the usual routine come back here And we will do the uh, discussions. It would be helpful if... No, I'll tell that next week. Because I need to... You'll need to split yourselves up into a number of groups. And uh, I will tell you how to do that, the mechanics of that next week. And then after that we will have some time to do some meditation. And then I'll stop in good time for you to refresh yourselves and also go and join Guru Hamdra's sermon in the afternoon. Sounds like a plan? Excellent. Okay. So if you need to arrange your transport to be able to be here, uh, then please do whatever is necessary to do that. And uh, you'll take it from there. Okay. <coughs> Right so last week I asked you to remind me something didn't I Remember Hmm what do you separate from what Cuz we talk about separation <clears throat> We talk about separation when we speak of separation, it seems like—I mean, it feels like—that it feels like when we talk about separation, we should be able to say what we separate from what. What do we separate from what? Like, say for instance, when you add oil to water, what happens? The oil floats on water, right? Because it's it has a less uh, lesser density than than water. So. When the two of them are put into the same container, you can see that there is a separation. So then you'll say the oil is separate from the water. If I had a bunch of pens here and I ask you to separate them into say two groups, two sets, then you'll ask me on what basis, so I'm answer. Do you want me to separate by color? Do you want me to separate by what their intended use is, whether it's a marker pen or a ballpoint pen or a drawing pen or whatever, right? So you'll ask me uh, some questions to determine what is the criteria for that separation. If I asked all of you to separate yourselves, now there are some obvious characteristics that we can use to separate. What are some of them? Height, yeah? Gender, you can separate by gender. You can separate by age, Yeah. You can separate by complexion, by hair, style, right? With hair and without hair. I, a, so we are already separate like that, aren't we? You are on that side and I am on this side. Personality. Personality, absolutely, yeah. You can separate by personalities. <coughs> or if you are blind like me, right? Or whether you can actually <laughs> see. So these are characteristics that we can use to separate, So it's obvious when we talk about separation, you need to find a criteria with which you can separate something. But when we talk about, if you remember the example that I showed you the other day in the single Sermon where we took some water into two glasses. Were you all there? Most of you were, okay. In one glass we had some ice, in the other glass we just had some water. So it looked separate, The two of them, the contents of the two glasses looked separate right at the start. What we did then was we poured some of the water into the glass that had the ice and after a while it was water in both glasses. Now when I ask you the question, can you please now separate the water that was ice previously in that glass and take it out and put it into the other glass? Now you are not able to do that anymore because there are no characteristics with which you can any longer do the separation meaning they are all the same this separation that you were able to see when you saw the ice and water was simply a difference in the amount excuse me the amount of energy within that system by system i mean the glass There was a different quantity of energy in one versus the other. Matter-wise, they were both the same. So I could have measured an exactly equal amount of water into two uh, glasses, and one of them put in the freezer, the other just left out. So the same amount of water. I freeze one, now you have ice in one and just plain water in the other. So matter-wise, they're the same. Difference is the quantity of energy. So if you take out energy from both of these, you have the same amount of substance. If you put back the same amount of energy, you again have the same substance, the same quantity of substance, just looks different. It appears different. It seems different. Apparently it's different. But it's not different. It's not separate. See, the thing is this. If things in this world cannot be separated... If we start on that basis, then the very question of separate what from what is a meaningless question. Yeah. Remember, what we are talking about here is a sense of separation. This feeling of separation is only a sense of separation and that separation didn't really happen. Again, if you go back to the example of the water and the ice, we took exactly the same amount of water, put it into two containers, and we added energy. We added energy. Ice is water. With, lesser, with a lesser amount of energy. Water is ice only with more energy in the system. So if you take the energy out, then they are identical. Right? This is why this can always be converted to this, and this can always be converted to this. Are you with me so far? So therefore, When we melted this ice and this was water and if you mix the two of them into the same container now you are no longer able to separate this water from this and this water from this because they are all the same. All of these molecules are H2O and all of these molecules are also H2O. It's the same stuff. But it looks and feels separate at this stage. That's simply a difference in the amount of energy in the system. It is only and merely a structural difference. Yeah, it's only a structural difference. So, there is a difference in this world that is apparent and this is the structural difference. The only difference that exists among materials, among substance, is the structural difference. That is why any substance can eventually be converted to another substance. Because when you keep breaking it down, all material, all materials are ultimately the same elements. And once you take it to the elemental level, they can be reconstructed to form other things. That's how the process of recycling works. So you're able to recycle things because they were not separated in the first place. A plastic bottle today was one of these yesterday. And this today is a bag tomorrow or a pot tomorrow or something else tomorrow. That's because there's only a structural difference. And this structural difference is a result of the amount of energy that has been fed into this system. And as a result of that energy, the elements that make up this system, take a, you know they go through a, a shift in their, their structure. It is that structural difference that you see here. But ultimately, they're all the same thing. You are different from another person. You look different only because of a structural difference. Your parts, The parts of your body are structurally different from each other as well as from each other. By the first each other was the parts of the body. And the second each other I mentioned was from each other, individuals. This is the only difference there is. Now there is DNA which is responsible for some of those differences. But ultimately, if you break it all down and back to DNA, that's DNA is also still ultimately elements. right? Your ribonucleotides are all ultimately elements. Nothing that is constructed in this world that does not come from the periodic table. It's all there. So therefore, when you ask the question... I feel that two things are separate. What is separate from what? That is a meaningless question. Because that separation is only something that you feel. It does not really exist in the two things. Therefore that question cannot be answered. Does that make sense to you? Not entirely. I am not convinced. I will keep trying.
0: Hmm.
1: Yes, yeah. So the, you know, these structural changes that you see are because of the environment. These are environmental conditions, right? So, you know, for instance, the color of one's skin. The environment has a large part to play. The, the kind of trees that grow in certain parts of the world, right? the environmental factors have a large part to play. These are all structural changes, structural differences. This separation is only because of the environment. And by the environment, what that means is the amount of energy that is there in that system, among other factors, but they're not ultimately and definitively separate from one another this is why when asked the question what did you separate from what that is a meaningless question see let me let me uh, explain this further in, by using this uh, example Let's take someone in the audience from this side. Sir, you feel that you are a separate person to this gentleman on the other side, don't you? Let's be honest. And you, sir, feel that you are a separate individual to that gentleman over there, right? Let's take for a moment who this gentleman is. That's you. Looks like you, right? Better? Okay. What is this? Oh who is this? Which one is a better question to ask? What is, what is this? Yeah? Who is this? Is only something that he senses. <laughs> really? The question we should be asking is, what is that? What is that? Mind and body. Mind and body. That's right. That is mind and body. Okay, this gentleman over here. What is that? Mind and body. So, both these things, both these things are mind and body. But, it doesn't stop the two gentlemen from sensing that they are separate individuals. (coughs) They both sense an identity. Don't they? Don't you? You sense identity, don't you? That's why you have and carry an identity card to prove that you are a separate individual to everyone else. Because you sense this feeling of... You sense this identity which part of this is that identity what is the let's start with the simple one the body what is the body made of if we were to take this this body to the lab and we decomposed it into its constituent elements all you get are the elements of the periodic table right you'll get some carbons you'll get some hydrogens you'll get some oxygens you'll get some nitrogens Right? What you get? You get you'll get all sorts of these things, right? The periodic table. What about if this? If we take this body and decompose it, what do we get? We get the same stuff, right? Now, let's say, for instance, when we decompose this body, we got uh, say six carbons. I'm sure you know we're going to get more than that. Okay, say six million. Oh, if <laughs> that's still an understatement, but let's keep it simple. Six carbons, uh, twelve hydrogens uh 14 nitrogens right and we got sorry oxygens and we got 25 nitrogens that is the 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 entire body composition of the body we took this to the lab and we decomposed it <coughs> excuse me we get say 14 carbons 23 hydrogens 40 oxygens and we get six nitrogens okay now we have several containers one for carbon one for hydrogen one for oxygen one for nitrogen we put all the carbons into this this and this okay what do we get 20 20 carbons hydrogen how many do we get 35 35 yeah oxygen how many do we get 54 and nitrogen how many do we get 31 31, nitrogens, right? So we are still working on the body for the time being. We'll go to the mind in a moment. Now, I say, oh, did we decompose them? Let's put them back together again. You want to put this gentleman back together again? and I come to Yes. You want to put this gentleman back together again? So again, you know that this is only mind and body, right? To put this back in this exact form... This is what you need. This is the formula for this body. Right? Wait, can you not simply go and dip into this container and take whichever carbon that comes to your hand? Can't you? Of course you can. Can't you dip your hand into this container and take whichever hydrogen that comes to your hand? All you need are 12 of them. Right? Does it matter which when, where it came from? No. Whether it came from this or this, does it matter? No. So if you tipped your hand into these containers and you took 6 of this, 12 of this, 14 of this and 25 of this, now you've got enough to recompose this body. Meaning, they were all the same. Meaning, these two bodies were not separated entities. They were simply structurally different for a period of time. Do you get my point here? They were simply structurally different for a period of time. Uh, beg your sir? Yeah, yeah. So the reason that we can do that is because it's all the same stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. And if we were to, if we wanted to put this gentleman back together again, same, same, same process, right? We don't need to be concerned about where those elements came from, because it's all the same stuff. Now, the thing is this you don't need to come here to learn that lesson. That's pretty obvious, right? Scientists will teach you that, and they will accept and agree with that. So, let's go to the mind now. This is where the tricky part comes. In the mind, you feel this sense of identity that you are separate to others. When this sense of separation, this sense of identity comes in the mind, everything about you feels different to another person. And it doesn't stop at the mind. It it reaches all throughout the body. And then this sense of belonging stretches even beyond the body. It reaches out to your family, your friends, your possessions, right, and all the way to your country. Hmm? Nationalistic ideas, where do they come from? Ignorance and attachment, where else? Hmm? This is my nation. See, the funny thing is, folks, right? (laughs) This makes me laugh. Like most things. Right? See if you can tell me what what you think this is. What do you think that is? Can you see it from the back? Yeah? What do you think that is?
0: Hmm? Oh, okay. (laughs) Is
1: really bad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now what do you think it is? A Mm-hmm. <coughs> Close. Keep going. What hmm? do I think it is? It is? It is the earth, yes. <coughs> Excuse me. It is the earth. What did I show you before? This is just the core of the earth without the water. (laughs) (laughs) I shall have you know that this is the earth, okay? And and you shall bear it (laughs) forever this is the earth without the water if you if you removed all the water from the earth it would simply be a piece of rock uneven piece of rock right now tell me where the countries are show me the separated countries that people fight for hmm Madam yeah so the water, even the you know exactly yeah yeah yeah, see the water gives the impression that these countries are separate from one another, even the um, what do you call them the uh, the continents, right So Africa is a separate continent to Europe, is a separate continent to Asia. Australia, a large island so they say, is a separate land mass from the rest of the world. But that's just the water that gives that impression, isn't it? If you remove all the water, now where are all the separate continents? Now where are all the separate countries? Now where are the islands? Cities, towns villages right? so when we say that say Australia is a separate country to Sri Lanka how separate is it really it's simply an impression that we get because there's water that seems like a separate or a different substance between the two land masses but underneath it's all the same stuff This is an analogy to how we feel we are separate from one another. Ultimately, we are all the same substance. But we feel like we are different from one another simply because of an impression that we get. There is an impression that is generated somewhere. Somewhere. From somewhere we get this impression that we are separate from one another. But ultimately, we are all just the same stuff. So we talked about the body. Let's move into the mind. Move on to the mind. <clears throat> what is the mind's business? The mind's business is to receive, register, recognize, respond, and to perceive. To function, to perform these functions is the job of the mind. It does this, as we discussed last week, through I, ear nose, tongue, body, and mind. And sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, and thoughts. Right? This is simply a process. The mind is like a news reporter, I explained to you. A news reporter's job is simply to report. It simply reports. This is the mind's job. But when the mind does not mind its its own business, the mind starts to do all sorts of weird things that was not what it was intended for. And when you start to do something that is not your your intended purpose, then suffering happens. This gentleman feels that he is a separate individual, a separate entity. To the other gentleman, it is because of jati. That is the suffering. You feel that you are a separate entity, a separate individual to somebody else because your mind goes into delusion. It creates a hallucination. It creates an illusion. This is an illusory concept, this self. You are not a separate entity to another person. There is a different quantity of mass and a different quantity of energy. By that much, yes, we are separate. We are different. But that energy can be converted to anything. So, for instance, the energy that you get from the light bulb, this light energy, was once electrical energy. Previous to that, it was mechanical energy. Previous to that, it was hydro energy. Previous to that, it was the light energy, heat energy from the sun. Maybe chemical energy, potential energy, right? So the same energy we know can be converted from one form to the other, right? The mind is also an energy, Energy is energy is energy. It's just the same. But this energy can be tainted by because the mind's nature is that mind, the mind is able to is be is, is able to be indoctrinated. The mind can bear ideas. The, um, the mind can accept and and, and, st- and think in certain ways. That's why it's called the mind. It can think. And some thoughts are right while other thoughts are wrong. When the mind is indoctrinated that this sense of separation is a pleasurable experience. It's a lovely thing. It's a good thing. It's it's a nice to have thing. Now the mind needs it. The mind wants it. And when the mind wants it, it tries to separate. It tries to separate. Now we know that when these things come, The only things that the mind is really supposed to be doing is receive, register, recognize, respond and so on. In addition to these things, remember the mind, the base of the mind is already indoctrinated to feel this separation, to to identify a separation, to experience a separation. The base of the mind is tainted with ignorance. And when the base of the mind is tainted with ignorance, no matter what goes on here, the mind is not satisfied. So, you know, the mind of an arahant is plenty satisfied with this. It does not, the mind of an arahant does not go beyond this because the arahant's mind minds its own business. This is what the mind is supposed to do. But a mind that is not an arahant, it's not satisfied with these things. It wants A sense of separation, a sense of identity. And we talked about this a few weeks ago just looking at this it's pretty clear to us why the mind's function are receive, register, recognize, respond and so on. Because what do these things enable us to do? Separate. See when you look at your toolbox you can say who the workman is, right? If you, if you open a toolbox that belongs to a, a, a worksman, you can look at it and go, hmm, that looks like it belongs to a carpenter. Another one you look at it and go, that looks like it belongs to, say, uh, a, a mason. Yes. Or a painter. Huh? You, you can look at someone's tools and say what kind, what kind of work they must be involved in. Look at this and tell me, what kind of work do you think the mind is involved in? Separation. So it came into this world. The mind came into this world with the right tools to be able to separate. Remember, it wasn't an arahant that came into samsara. It wasn't an arahant that came into samsara. Someday, I'm talking about now your origins. Someday, you were just an energy. And at some point, due to ignorance, due to ignorance, this energy that was once you. So when I say you, you must understand that you didn't have this identity you at that time. It was just an energy. Okay, it was just energy. At some point, ignorance crept in. How that happened, we are still trying to work out. We may never. But who cares? That's not the problem. Because we are, we are already in the problem. Therefore, we need to try and work our way out of it. Someday ignorance crept into this mind and then that energy wanted to experience separation. So imagine there's just, you know, a whole pool of energy. This is just pure energy. This is just pure energy. Somehow ignorance creeps in. That it uh, did it to,
0: it? Uh-huh. to
1: the whole thing. No, not to the whole thing. Not to the whole thing.
0: It's a process.
1: It's a pro- <laughs> process
0: with a micro level, like, you know, sure. it happens on time. Like, on micro level,
1: it then yeah. it becomes a matter. Yeah, so, so, so imagine a quantity of energy, yeah. right? Imagine a quantity of energy from this vast oh. infiniteness of energy, mm-hmm. right? From this vast infiniteness mm-hmm. of you know, energy, which we can call pure energy. Mm-hmm. A quantity of energy was somehow tainted with ignorance. Meaning, this quantity of energy So now I'm going to say, I'm going to use verbs. Okay, I'm going to say wanted to. So the problem is, right now you'll struggle to think how come energy wants something. Right, but bear with me. Okay, bear with me because over time it will start making more sense to you. The more we go through this, the more we practice this, the more you begin to realize that you are just energy and matter. Just one second, Buddha. The more you recognize and begin to realize that you are matter and energy, the more these things will become acceptable to you. Because right now when I say there was a quantity of energy that wanted to do something, immediately you're thinking, how can energy want to do anything? Energy is just, you know... It's just innate. It doesn't want to do anything. Why would energy want to do anything? Like It's like energy doesn't want to light this bulb. Someone wants to therefore, energy. they make use of energy to light the bulb. But we feel that way because this energy that is you generates a sense of identity. See, you're feeling right now that you are, an, you are, you are a person. That you are an individual, you are an identity, you are a self. This is all energy gone wrong. Defiled energy, impure energy. This is because of ignorance. What was your question, Pada? A matter of dark energy, light creeps into some pure energy and corrupts it to create this. Something like that. Something like that. Okay? So, when you say dark energy, then we go into physics. That's the only concern I have, right? You say that dark matter and so on. So, this is not a lesson in physics, right? But what you explain there is a good way to understand it. Very good, okay? So, there was there was pure energy and then a quantity of this energy was tainted with ignorance. So, imagine that this, this energy is able to transform into various things, right? Now, the, a quantity of this energy indoctrinated that separation is good separation is good now tries to separate itself from everything else so at one point there was nothing else other than energy just pure energy so at one point a quantity of this energy wanted to separate itself from this vast mass or this vast quantity of energy at that point it you know when when it wanted to do it it went into vexation. So now you'll ask me, but is it not a mind that goes into vexation? So why are you saying energy went into vexation? That's because you are still getting there. You still haven't accepted that the mind is energy after all, right? So so when you cross that barrier, when you when you jump that bridge, you'll get exactly what I mean. But in the time being, these questions will come into your mind. But don't worry. So we can make use of like the discussion sessions you know, from the following week for you to be able to better understand these concepts. So you can ask these questions, right? Within the the remit of what we have discussed, right? So a quantity of this energy was indoctrinated and it wanted to separate itself from this energy. Now the thing is this. This is all there is. (laughs) This is all there is. So whether you want to separate or not, you don't end up with anything other than this. It's like water, right? The, the, there's a, there's a finite quantity of water on this planet. Agreed? There's a finite quantity of water. Sometimes it'll come in the shape of tap water. Sometimes it'll be the water in the ocean. Sometimes it'll be uh, the water that you drink, the water in your in your bodies, right? The water in the ground, the water in your well, the water in the trees. Right? But it's all the same water. Now you understand the water cycle? yeah? How it's the same drop of water that can be in various places, take different shapes, right? be uh, different things, but ultimately it's all the same water? Now the same concept applies here. At one point it's tap water, the other time it's water in your body. The other time it's water in this cup. But ultimately, it's all the same water. That's why it can transform from one to the other. And that's why it's all just one cycle. This pure energy is simply a cycle. Right now, it has taken these shapes. It is from pure energy that these shapes have come into being. All these, these bodies, these bodies, all this, These are all conversions of this energy because energy can be converted to mass. So the Buddha realized this before Einstein came along and proclaimed that it was his discovery. So this is all energy. But energy can be converted to mass and mass back into energy. This is what goes on here. This changing Nature is the only constant. As they say, change is the only constant. And that is so true. This In this body, there is a, a, a quantity of energy. In this body, there is a quantity of energy. There is a quantity of energy. energy. They are all just, ultimately, energy. That energy, this, the, the special thing about that energy, mind energy, is that the mind can think. You know, just like <clears throat> heat energy can heat. Kinetic energy can move. Mechanical energy can, you know, work machines, right? Potential energy can have has the potential of changing into stuff. So this is kind of like potential energy because it has the potential to become almost anything else, right? So like energy can take various forms and whichever form it's in, it has a characteristic about it. The mind energy, when, when this energy becomes mind energy, the, that energy can think. What is thinking after all? These things. This is what thinking means. Receive, register, recognize, respond and perceive. This is the process of thinking. So mind energy is capable of doing these things. And it does these things to simply process what's going on outside. That's what this is for. Remember, the mind came into existence because it wanted to separate, right? So, when it wants to separate, it it needs to be able to register and receive various entities in the outside world. Otherwise, it's not going to be satisfied. See, if you weren't able to tell these two things apart, what was the what was the, what is the need of a mind? <laughs> huh? You need a mind so that you can tell these two things apart. Why do you need to tell these two things apart? that is what you came into this world for. That is what the mind came into existence for so that you could tell things apart. Why? Because separation is such a good feeling. Why? Because separation was all the mind ever wanted. Why? That is what ignorance is. When the mind initially wanted to separate the mind went into this hyperactive mode and in doing so it started to create Rupa, different kinds of Rupa, we call them patavi, apu, tejo, vayu and so on. These are all formations or creations, constructions of the mind. The mind created them, you know the mind created this. The mind created the sun, the earth, the planets, the moons, the stars, the oceans, the animals, everything. It is the mind that created every entity in this world so that it could now separate things. Really, it's like, you know, the mind created toys for itself so that it could play with them. These are all creations of the mind. Everything you see around you is a creation of the mind. I'm not talking about one mind. I'm talking about minds. I'm talking about mind energy. It was mind energy that was responsible for creating all these things so that it could now play with them. See, now your mind can play with this. How? This is plain. (laughs) Well, you can think of it, you know, to keep it simple, sir. Because the mind is attached to this feeling of separation, right, because the mind is attached to the feeling of separation, as the mind goes through that process of trying to separate things, the energy that is generated from the mind gives rise to this patavi apotejo these are qualities of the mind see patavi is the quality of hardness which is a quality of the mind really it's the mind that is sometimes hard and rigid isn't it like when you when you feel like i'm rigid that's it headstrong i'm not going to change that's me that's the nature of the mind when the mind is you know in a, a flexible state right that's the, that's the characteristic of the mind when the mind is heated anxious right uh, nervous these are all characteristics of the mind so the mind was created to separate yes well done the mind so now don't ask me who created the mind <laughs> see the, the, exactly you see when you feel this sense of separation you are always trying to find the answer to who 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 to you <laughs> Be, is, is only because the mind feels, the mind goes through this process of generating this self, this, this sense of identity it always tries to answer it always tries to put forward this question of who did it, because a who is a separate entity, a separate individual, a separate self it is a symptom of this disease that is ignorance and that is jati, that the mind always tries to find an answer to who who Remember, we long time ago we we did this in one of our sermons. I said, don't ask the question who did it. Ask how it happened. Yeah, because when you try when you try when you ask the question who, we are looking for blame. Mm -hmm. Madam. It does. Okay, so. Um. When you look at these flowers, you know that someone created them, right? This wasn't there always. Someone brought them into this world. Looking at this, can, can't you say the nature of that person's mind? Hmm? This is what they thought was beautiful. This is what they thought was lovely, so nice. You know, They wanted something like this. They didn't create a bomb or a knife or a dagger. Right? They created flowers. Looking at this, you can say then you can tell something about the nature of the mind of the person who created this really the mind you can't say the mind of a person it is the mind after all right because we say mind is just mind and body who else what is what else is there as a person when you look at when you look at this you can you can say a lot about the mind that created this when you look at this you can say, talk about say something about the mind that created this when you look at the way someone wears their hair for instance can you can't you say something about Let's say their personality, for instance, I'm trying to find the right words to describe this. yeah, it's not exactly personality, but you know how they think, how they feel you can you can say a lot about a mind by how they dress, how they walk, how they talk, right, how they present themselves because you know you're looking at an outwardly expression of something internal are the outwardly expressions of the internal process that is the mind. It is the mental process, the mental energy, the mind energy that created this substance in the world. It is those Rupa, Patviyaapotejo Vayu and Vanna Gandha Rasa Oja, which is the pure octet. Right? It is this pure octet which now has gone on to make all the other things in this world. So this board, this is all aggregations of the pure octet. All things you see around you, this body is an aggregation a, an accumulation a collection of different uh, structures of the pure octet. but this the, the pure octet was a formation of the mind that's why it has the characteristics of the mind in it exactly yeah so because you know it is only ragadesha moha that is responsible for creating this this matter, raga, dvesha, and moha. So, the, so, so, for instance, raga is the is the, is the nature of you know the, the flowy nature, I, and and dvesha is the hard nature, and and moha is the airy nature. So something can be hard. Something can can have uh, you know the, uh, the the nature of uh, there's a word for it escapes me now. What do you call the the flowing nature of water? Fluidity, thank you. The fluid, the fluid nature of a a substance. And the and the airy nature of a substance. These are all characteristics of the mind. So at some point, it was the mind that that created these elements, which have gone on to create everything that you see around you. So the mind came first. And matter came next. Where is the mind? Where is it? Where is light energy? Where is heat energy? Where is kinetic energy? That's the thing. You you can't say it's there. You can't give a place. Because that's the nature of energy, right? It doesn't take space. For you to be able to say, here it is, it should be taking space. Energy doesn't take up space. Energy is just everywhere. But we know that in that body, a mind functions. So there is a quantity of mind energy. I can't tell you exactly where in that body. It's all over. Which one? Duranga. Duranga so yeah. Madam? You have to be intelligent enough to see that. So basically, you
0: have to be able to see the mind right. or you have to see the thoughts.
1: How do you identify? It? How do you identify what? The, the mind
0: and how the mind works.
1: That is what I'm trying to teach.
0: Well, you. But mm-hmm. that if, if, if mm-hmm. she's asking about that. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this is to, to, to. This is to uh, realize, to to. and it is the mind itself that realizes this. So the very mind that has gone astray, that has gone crazy is the very mind that needs to understand what's happened to it. And when the mind understands what's going on, what's happened to it, the mind is healed. It is because of, you know, ignorance is the problem here. This is not a permanent disease. It is not a chronic disease. It's, it's something that can be cured because for as long as ignorance is there, the mind functions in this in this crazy manner. Ignorance is a problem. Ignorance of what? Ignorance of all of this. So you don't need to understand all of this. you know, we don't need to go into pure energy and how the mind was formed. you know we don't we don't really need all of this stuff. I'm just explaining this to you because it's interesting. right The real thing we need to understand is, You feel a sense of separation. I am trying to prove to you that it never separated. That is why I am actually talking to you about this. It is all the same stuff. All from the same place. And one day it will all return to the same place.
0: Mm.
1: That is because. The mind the mind is able to as as it performs karma that like we talked about last week, right? It it generates energy. This is karmic energy, right? So that karmic energy is attracted to an energy of the same, let's say, frequency, right? Of, of the same uh, of the same nature. So please don't take frequency there. I, I'm just trying to explain it in words that you'll understand. Okay? It's not frequency. Okay? It's not amplitude either. <laughs> Right? But it's just it's just to help you understand. It's something like that. Right? So, so that's how karmic energy generated by a particular mind is drawn to the same mind.
0: Law
1: of, Law of attraction. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that's how when a mind becomes anagami, for instance, it is it changes by its very nature. And from there on it is free from an aggregation of vipaka that it once generated because now they are not they don't tally they are very different in their nature therefore an anagami mind can never come back into a sensual world because that kind of vipaka is no longer attracted to that does that make sense right i'm going to leave it there for today right because you need to go go ahead to the for the singular sermon it's 2 minutes past 2 Can you ask that question next week? <laughs> Write it down before you forget. Right, let's take a moment to transfer the merits, and then we'll head back and head off to the other sermon. Let's take a moment to transfer the merits that we have all acquired today by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem, chanting Pirit, listening to the Dhamma, and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. First and foremost, let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching. And with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, Upasikas and Upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the Jipitaka, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us transfer the merits we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves to the betterments of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us transfer these maids to Guru Swami Nuhanse as well as all the teacher monks resident at the monastery as well as all the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be there by transliterating these sermons, sharing them out with others or inviting others to join them, and may through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the wopful plane, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plane, may through the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of nibbana. So Sadhu, Sadhu, sad. There is also transfer merits we have acquired to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who, for the sake of merits, continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery, to those of you who provide the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes and medicines, as well as those who have passed on their know-how and continue to extend their well wishes. May it the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the Noble Eightfold Path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nimbabwe. Amen. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to our mothers, fathers, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews and nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who helped us, supported us and assisted us in any way, shape or form. And by the power of these merits, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sad. Let us take a moment to transform us to the devas, brahmas, spirits and demons, primarily the Sakha Deva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfil the sasana Let us transform to our guardian deities who keep watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may, through the power of these merits, they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfil the meritorious deeds, fulfil the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sad Sad. Let us take a moment to transmute to our ancestors who have predeceased us, and to all those who have been families, friends, and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in samsara, and to those who have helped, supported, and assisted us in any way, shape, or form. Let us transmute to the members of the armed forces as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nations. May they. May those who have lost their lives in the war be their friend or foe, rejoice in the merits that we have acquired today. Let us transfer minutes to all those who have lost their lives to natural calamities such as tsunamis, earthquakes, landslides, pandemics. Including the most recent and prevailing one, reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in sansara. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to them. May through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us all resolve that may to the power and blessings of all the maids we have acquired throughout the day we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of arahants on this blessed land and finally may to the power of all the maids we have all acquired today may all those who have helped us to make this program a success, become an, mahansi, an arahat Mahansi and arahat in this life itself and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. May the blessings of the Noble Triple gem be with you all. The members of the Mahasangha will transfer their blessings to you
0: raag ginnen midatwa dvesh ginnen midatwa moha ginnen midatwa nirvan param sukhayan yen sukhita Nibbhāna pāraṁ sukhayen sukhita-tāra-vitmvā Mamada siyalu lōka siyalu-sātmvayot Nibbhāna pāraṁ sukhayen sukhita-tāra-vitmvā निबाने परम sukhayan sukhita-tāra-vetmā vetma निबाने परम sukhayan sukhita tara vetma राग gini dvesha gini niveva. Moha Niveva, Nivan Sapa Labheva, Nivan Sapa Labheva, Nivan Sapa Labheva,
1: Nivan Sapa Ananta Mahaguna Belen Silo Loka Silo Satyama Nibbana Paramah Sukhen Sukhitaravetva Sado 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 Sado.